tip before you quit your job, open up every line of credit, every HELOC, everything you can get. So I had I had credit available to me at low interest rate, 75% of what I had open to me in lines of credit, and I loaned it. Welcome to the Golden Nuggets of Real Estate Investing, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through real estate. We'll be discussing the most important lessons or better known as the golden nuggets of real estate investing, entrepreneurship, and personal finance with new and experienced investors to help you get into real estate investing or scale up your portfolio. So make sure to tune in. What's going on, everyone? It's Ross Nadai. I'm a real estate agent and investor and host of the Real Estate Golden Nuggets podcast. I have an amazing episode full of golden nuggets for you. If you like this podcast and gotten any value out of it, please share this far and wide to reach as many people as possible. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, leave me a comment, like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell so that you can stay up to date on the most recent episodes. Thank you so much for your support. So literally two, two or three weeks after I leave my job, she gets a phone call on April 1st from her employer saying, unfortunately, we have, we have to downsize a little bit because COVID's really hit us hard oh, and uh, we're going to have to let you go. So that was on April 1st and they gave her two weeks notice. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So that and like, and at this point it's like, huh, all right, I can't go back to my employer because that's, that cord has been cut. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was just a little bit of a, a okay, wake up call. Now we got to figure this out. Now, yeah. The good the good news is that my spreadsheet where I've been tracking all of the cash flow, what we need, I had been planning it this way all along, right? So, when I was talking about what my net take-home pay was from mm-hmm. my work, right. I also had my wife's net take-home pay. And I knew the total what the, as a family household income was coming in every month. So, I knew the magic number. Right, right, right. And I knew and I and I was plotting out my, my I had the list of my properties over here, private lending over here. Here's the money coming in. Here's the gap. This is what I'm, this is the number I'm solving for. I need to close that gap, right? Right. Um, I'm like, all right, a couple more properties, three, four more properties. We'll we'll be we'll be fine, right? We'll, we're going to get there. Yep. Um, and and um, anyway, so she lost her job, and then what I did is, what I I kind of sprung into action. And I told you I did some private lending. Yep. Well, I did a, I did a little bit of private lending before. When she lost her job, I ramped it up. So I went and I maxed out. I shouldn't say maxed out. I I went to every line of credit that I had available to me and because side sidebar tip before you quit your job, get every line of credit you can open up every line of credit, every HELOC, everything you can get, get access to it because it's hard to get after you leave your job. So I I had that ready to go. So I had, I had credit available to me at low interest rates. So I quickly went to about, I want to say 75% of what I had open to me in lines of credit. And I loaned it. I loaned it out. Um, So making a, a minor interest payment on those mm-hmm. loans, you know, some are like 3.1%. Now, now they've gone lower since the interest rates dropped since then. Yeah. So a little bit of interest interest payment, but a healthy return every single month on private lending, right? And I use that as kind of my last lever to close that gap to get us to the income we needed to go, okay, we can breathe now. Like we don't have to panic here. We don't, no, we don't have to go hunting for jobs tomorrow. Yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna double down on this on this little journey that we're on here. So that's that's what we did, and so we've been. That's how we've been uh, running ever since essentially April fifteenth when she lost her job, and 
and we've been off to the races. So, and then, you know, through COVID we bought, uh, six properties, I think. Um, wow. so, so three of them we sold. So there were, there were some flips in there yeah. to generate a bit of income along the way. That's right. And, uh, and a couple more rentals. So we just been, we would kind of just go keep, keep it a going. Right. Like, so yeah. it, it was, uh, that was the kind of the key is like, okay, we're not just going to like take our foot off the gas. Now it's like, now that we have a bit of the flexibility to do what we need to do, um, let's just, let's just give it, let's, what's, what's worst case scenario here. We're going to have to sell a couple properties to live off of. Okay. Then that's what we'll do, but we haven't had to do that. So that's, that's sweet. Yeah. No, wow. That's a very inspirational story. Um, and then that brings me to my point here, uh, Scott here. So one of the benefits of, you know, working in a full-time job is, you know, the mortgage aspect, right? You get, you can qualify very easily with the A lender, right? So how are you able to yeah. manage your properties, especially now that you are now, uh, you know, a, a full-time entrepreneur and you don't have like a corporate job, right? So are you still getting these uh, funds through the banks or is it private money? How are you funding these deals? So I'm, I'm generally using private money to buy, um, and I've been doing that, by the way, even the last few deals while I still had a job, just just because I like the flexibility to go fast and right. not have to jump through the hoops to get the approvals. So what I was doing prior to leaving my job, I was buying with private money. And then when I did the refinance after the renovation was done, that's when I would bring in the A lender and put the nice cheap mortgage on it. Right. 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 So I was already, so I already become very comfortable with using private lender, you know, paying 8% or whatever on a mortgage. So. I've done, I've continued to do that. Now, obviously I can't at the end of a project go and do a nice, you know, 1.8% mortgage with TD bank or Scotia bank anymore that they will they'll <laughs> laugh me out of the room. Um, so what I've been doing is I've been holding on to the private money a little bit longer. So, and like in some of these situations, if I can, if I can make it work, even when I'm holding uh, a private mortgage, Okay. And I'm holding it for let's say a year now. Mm -hmm. Um and if the cash flow that I'm getting from the property will pay the private mortgage and the insurance and the property tax, doesn't leave me left much left over after that. Well then I feel like okay, I have at least I have an option here, right? I can I can hold this property. It's it's expensive. Right. And I'm going to continue to look for other options where I can refinance at a lower rate. So I recently started down a path of um, a qualification process for B lenders. Um, so I've got one property coming up for refi in Hamilton in about a month. Okay. And, um, and so that one is the, the plan on that one is that we're going to refinance it with a B lender. Now a B lender right now, we might be pushing three and a half, four percent, uh, okay. interest rate, right. which, which, you know, is still very effective. Right. Mm -hmm. So, I'm happy to pay those kinds of rates if I can get them. I can cash flow if I can get a 4% rate. Um, the other option is I can always bring in a partner, right? A JV partner. Now, I tend not to do a lot of JVs. I've, had, I've got a couple of them I've done along the way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not opposed to doing them though. And sometimes it, sometimes it is the right option, right? Where yeah. like I am, doing, I am doing one right now where I've got a partner that, um, that approached me that wants to do something. Um, we found a property and he's already going through the qualification for an A lender. So that's, that's going to be an option that we're going to hold together for the long right. run. And it'll be a, a good cash flowing product yeah. uh, or asset. So, but yeah, for me personally, I'm at the phase right now where I have to ride out a couple of years of self-employment before I, before I can actually 
be you know considered for an a lender mortgage i think right right, um, right so right. i've had some conversations with the banks and with my bro- broker around like how much income i should be reporting on my t1 general and that, that kind of stuff so it's a, it's a bit of a roadmap to get to get there mm-hmm. so which is why which is why right now i'm not opposed to doing you know more flips here and there which if, if i find a good deal and i you know if i can't keep it i just i'm gonna have to flip it right and that's okay i mean I can make a bit of money that way too. In the meantime, I'd rather hold it yeah. for the long run. But if I can't, I'll sell it. That's okay too. It's fun. Yeah, no, for sure. And how did you get into like the the the, the comfort zone of using a you know uh, private money? Because you mentioned you were you were able to qualify for a lenders. A lot of us, when we look at private lending, we think, oh God, it's expensive, right? You're looking at a range of yep. anywhere between ten to twelve percent, generally speaking, right? So. What yeah. was your decision to say, you know what, I'm going to pull a trigger on this, even though I can get something for 3% or 4% from a bank, right? Well, I was I was first turn, tuned into private money out of a necessity. And it was because um, a property that I was buying back in 2018, I, for some reason, had a really a heck of a time getting an approval. It was at the time I was going through CIBC. It was not a great experience, let's put it that way. So I, okay. I had the property, I was coming, the closing date was coming up and they were dragging their heels and dragging their heels. And I was freaking out. Like I was on their case constantly. So then I, I went back to um, a broker that I had just started working with on another project. And I was like, all right, I'm put, I'm throwing my hands up here. I'm stuck. I don't know what's going on. I got this property. It's closing literally in like 10 days. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know. And CIBC has given me nothing. And they're like, it was just one of these things where they're just asking me for another document or another document. And now I need a lease for the, I, like they need everything. Yeah. Right. And they, they didn't accept my current, some of the current leases because they were more than they were beyond the 12 month of, they weren't a new tenant. So then I had to get lease acknowledgements done. And then I did that and that wasn't good enough. And it was like, it was just, it was just out of control bad. So anyways, I like, I threw in the towel, I'm like, get the hell out of here. I can't deal with you guys. So I called the broker. I said, I don't, I don't, I need your help. She's like, what? Well, easy. Well, we're going to use private money. We'll close with private. Yeah. And then we'll get you refinanced. We'll probably refinance with RBC, but that'll be when you're done the project, maybe four or five months. Right. I'm like, how does that work? Well, it's going to be like 8%. Uh, yes, there's going to be some lender fees up front. I think it was like a 2% lender fee or something like that. So it right. blended up to about a 10% uh, cost. And anyways, like in the course of three days, I was funded for the for the project. Boom, here's the money, right? Right, right, right. And it's like, oh, this was super easy. And then... Uh, and then, you know, you're making the payments and then you, you soon realize that like the payments you make on private money is interest only, right? It's not like prin- principal plus interest. Correct. So it doesn't, it, it's not like overwhelmingly expensive when you see the, the number you're paying every month, right? Yes, it's more than a mortgage payment is like at a, at a, a lender. Right. It's not as bad as you first like set yourself up to think it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but most importantly, it got the job done. Right. And you just, you think about it, like for me, it was like, I think I'm going to get this particular project done in less than five months. Uh-huh. And then I'm going to get it. I'm going to get uh, the, the refinance done. And the mortgage broker was parallel pathing the whole time during that five months, getting me ready to be approved for the, for an A lender refi. So that right. we would just be hit, we would hit the ground running. The project would be, would be done. We'd have the appraiser in. We'd get the new mortgage lined up. Private lender gets paid out. Now I got a cheap mortgage in place. Yeah, and it worked. It worked like that. Like it actually came together like that, right? And so it really got my eyes opened up to like that. Actually, was pretty easy, right? To, yeah. be able to just get the money so easily. Um, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Like, and I when I, I started factoring in what was the total cost of that five months monthly payment that I had to make. 
Right. You know, maybe I, I, I'm trying to remember what the number would have been, but it was probably a couple of grand a month in interest costs, right? Yeah. Maybe a little less than that on that one. Um, and it's like, okay, that, was, that wasn't that bad. I build, I build that as one of the costs in my spreadsheet. Yeah. And then when I refinanced that I got a payout because I got like a nice lift in value. And it just like, it just worked, right? So the next two that I did, I did the same thing. And in fact, I didn't even try to get approved at first. I just, mm-hmm. I just said back to my brokers, let's just do private again. And you know what? Maybe that wasn't the smartest thing financially, but it, it worked. It allowed me to move a speed. Like I, I, I bought two or three in a row. Yeah. Um, um, where like it was, it was basically where the broker said, just buy, we, we can get you the money. You don't have to like keep asking, right? Like, we'll get you the money. Just yeah. you, you, you want to just buy, come to us when you got the deal, we'll fund it. I'm like, oh, right. cause they knew where I was buying. They had all my, they had my you know, my, my personal background and all right. that. Right. So they knew I was proven. Yeah. And so I just did, I did like two or three or four in a row, the same model, right? Like bang, 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 all private lending. And then I refinanced with an A lender yeah. at the end of the project. So it, it worked. I became comfortable with it. Um, I would do more of them. I, I continue to do more of them. The one thing I would say that's changed 18 months or so is I've started raising my own funds now. So I don't even have to go to a broker anymore. Nice. Which nice. Is a little, it's a little bit cheaper now because I don't have sure. to pay lender fees. Yeah. So I'll just I'll just borrow funds from, you know, friends, family, former coworkers, whatever, right? People that want to uh, get a good return on their money. I I will. We'll just do up a. Sometimes we just do a promissory note. Sometimes we'll do it as a reg- registered mortgage. Yeah. And I can just raise the cash myself that way. Um, and you know, when you're paying an interest rate monthly. If you're not having to pay all these upfront fees to the broker and all that, it's a little bit, it's a little bit easier. It's just a mindset shift, I think, more than anything. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I think it's the, the hurdle that comes in. First thing, like you said, we, t- we touched upon is the percentage you see. You see ten versus three, but you don't understand that the three includes interest, and then there's also you know the principal payment. There's two types of yeah. payment, right? So it's it's almost like a bit of I would say lack of education in, in a sense for uh, a lot of us, including myself. I had to look into it myself to figure out. Oh, you know what? When you think about it, it's not that far off, as, as you mentioned, from just the A-lender and you don't have yeah. to go through the hurdles. And sometimes it's the best way to fund it. Like why why limit yourself to say, you know what, if I can't get an A-lender to prove my mortgage, I'm not going to buy a property, right? It's like, yeah. no, there's always a way. On that there's is always a way. That's right. That's right. Like when yeah. you, even when you bought those properties, I'm sure they've all appreciated quite significantly over the years. You've already made the money back and you've already oh, you yeah. have another piece of land that, under your portfolio, portfolio right? So. That's right. Yeah. Like if the numbers work, the numbers work. Right. And yeah. so, and, and, and especially if you start doing, if you start buying properties that you intend to flip, well, then you pretty much have to use private money because yes. the banks, if they catch, if they catch on to you that you're using a mortgage and then you're flipping it, like they will ban you. Like will, you, they will not lend you in the future. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so you pretty much have to be comfortable with using private money for, for doing um, flips. Yeah. Uh, so, so anyways, it, it became a mindset thing for me. I mean, I I actually really like using private just because for the speed, the simplicity. Right. Um, it's relationship based. People start to trust you. I've got I've got a couple of lenders now that I've done several deals with where I just I just bought one recently. I said I called up a lender and I said I need four hundred grand. They said I'll put it in your account tonight. I'm like, and literally the next day it was that night it was in my account. Wow. Like, like I didn't even have to like sell them on the deal, right? I just like because they they know. They know your like, portfolio. We have a relationship now. Yeah, correct, yeah. correct. They don't so, know what you're about, and they've seen you work, so that they, yeah, they're they're feel comfortable with moving forward with you, no problem. Um, and speaking of flips, there, what is your model there for flips? Like, 
give me a sense of, you know, what the criteria are when you look at a property to say, hey, you know what, I can make money out of this, right? And I know what I love about you uh, there, Scott, is that you've done a lot of renovations, like you've done like gut, mm. basically from, the, from, from scratch almost, yeah. right? So you have a lot of experience now. You understand, you know, if I put a roof, it's going to cost me this much. If I put a, you know, uh, if I make this adjustment, it's going to cost me this much. So t- talk me through how the flipping model works and what is the, I guess, the minimum margins you look for when you're looking at a property? Yeah. Well, I would say, first of all, I am by far, I am not a savvy flipper yet, right? I mean, I'm, I'm working on that. I want to do more flips to drive more active income. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, what so i'm i'm still very much a student of flipping and I, i've gone to i went to a conference in the fall uh, a virtual conference which is all around flipping and um you know one of the things that they really t- uh, spoke about and i've heard other local flippers uh talk about is you really got to be you got to know your numbers like you got to know what your arv is right. so that you you want to be paying somewhere around you know if you can up to 60 percent of what the arv is so that's a that's a pretty discounted price if you can find it, right? Right. So, uh, um, yeah. So sixty percent of ARV because that that way you've got quite a bit of buffer in there because there's with when you flip there's always risk that like the market can go sideways on you, right? If you're not careful. Mm-hmm. So like especially now in this market that we're in, like it's 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 bananas as you know. Yeah. But and at some point it's going to have to level off or potentially take a bit of a dip, right? Yeah. Um. So uh, anybody that's flipping has to always kind of be aware of that and be ready for that. Um, so, but as long as you're buying right, mm-hmm. um, where there's enough enough margin to what the after repair value should be, even if the market takes a ten percent dip, you should still be okay, right? Yeah. That's that's yeah. generally what you want to be looking at. Yeah, it's about the buy. You know, I it's hard it's hard to do flips. I think when you're you're looking at properties on MLS in a seller's market, especially because yeah. everybody's going way over ask. Yeah. Um, so you got to be looking at off market opportunities. Um, you know, the, I, I flipped one in Belleville, which we bought off market. Um, that was a really, really fast one. Um, it was very much just a quick lipstick flip and we made a bit of money on it. I mean, it wasn't a massive slam dunk home run. I think we made like 20 K or something. Right. Um, which, you know, for three weeks for a flip, that's not so bad, I guess, right? Um, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, but I always hear stories of other flippers that are like, you know, making like, you know, oh, I made 150K on this flip. I'm like, yeah, how do I get one of those? Right. So um, for flips now, I'm looking for properties that are closer to, you know, you, you hear the term wholesale, where you can buy something mm-hmm. whole, wholesale off of a wholesaler, do very, very minimal work, clean it up get rid of the garbage, maybe paint it, put it back on the market as soon as you can. That's kind of what we did with, with uh, the Belleville house. Right. And, um, and you, you know, you sell it quickly, right? That's, that to me is the ideal model, but it's, but you really got to buy right. That's that. Yeah. If you, if you're not getting the right price on off the bat, you're, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Um, so, but in a seller's market, like right now, yeah, it's, I mean, People are people are overpaying. I think for a lot of properties. For sure, um, for sure. we're seeing a lot. So of that. if you if you buy if you buy right, you, it's going to be hard to ma- to mess up. I think as long as you don't over renovate, right? Um, yeah. So I'm I'm still I'm still refining my formula. You know, I'm always like yeah. kind of like refining. How do I track this? And you know, yes, I walk through a property that I'm looking at for a potential flip, and I can I can come up to a to a renovation budget in my own mind plus or minus 25k pretty easily um um you know based on 
you know, just what's what's the condition of the of, of the mechanicals? Uh, does it need anything cosmetic in the kitchen and the bathrooms? And you kind of get a feel for what that stuff's worth, right? To mm-hmm. to do it um, and the time frame. And I mean, I look at a lot of stuff. I'm constantly looking on like the deals that are coming through wholesalers and most of the time, I just don't see enough margin there. So I'm like, I can't offer on that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think some some people that are um, that might have their own in-house staff, you know, contractors, mm-hmm. um, it, it can work a little better because they're not necessarily getting paying a, a lift for general contracting fees and things like that. Yep. So maybe there's a little bit more upside for for folks in, the, in that situation. I'm not there, unfortunately. Not yet, anyways. So yeah. I'm, I don't know. I'm always evaluating. I've got spreadsheets running all the time. I'm just looking at looking at deals, and I find like that's that's half the fun, right? Is evaluating deals and trying to get comps and seeing, you know, sure. can I can I make money on this? Nope. Move on. So yeah. So for these properties, I know the one thing is getting the right price, but then don't you also like consider the market fundamentals as well, the demographics, the location, right? Because you can go like we we're talking earlier before recording, like you can go buy a property in Sudbury, they're cheap, but what are the chances of you flipping and getting a good return on it, right? Because yeah, there's all those yeah. other things to consider, right? I think, but it, like in a market like we're in right now, yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to be able to sell a, pro- a property right now. I was telling you, I sold my primary residence privately um, <laughs> yeah. with making one subtle comment on Facebook, and it was like, boom! I sold it for way more than I expected this house was even worth. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think in any market. You just need to look, you need to know the comps. You need to, fi- you need to find a local realtor yeah. in that market. Um, if you don't already have one and get their opinion, you know, what would a house like this go for if it was modernized, if it was at a, you know, if it had a nice brand new kitchen right. and it was cleaned up and, and decluttered, what could you get for it? Like you want to, you want to always know. Yeah. Um, I, I know some flippers swear by the smallest towns, like they just do they do good business in small areas because there's less, um, first of all, less competition to buy yep. less inventory. Um, and, and, you know, th- this past year, this, the, the smaller areas have been booming because people are leaving the bigger centers and bigger cities. And yep. so small towns are doing well, right? So you just never know. So that's, uh, that's, that's half the fun though. Yeah. It always fluctuates. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 Um, I would love to talk about one of one of your projects that you said you've done. If you have some of the numbers, I would mm. love to just share that with uh, everyone here. Sure. Sure. Well, I, I, I'll share with you one that we're working on right now um, because awesome. it's almost done. Yeah, sure. Love to um, so, and this one is, a, this one is one of the bigger ones um, mm. that we've done. This is a duplex conversion. Uh, it's okay. in Hamilton on the, on the mountain. Um, I bought it in, this is one of my COVID buys. Okay. So I bought this. I bought this from a wholesaler in 2020. Um, I paid 530 for this house. Okay. Okay. Now, now, like every house that I buy, I always have this. I overpaid moment every every time I buy a house. I'm like, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought. I thought. I, I'm crazy. I paid so much money for this house, and especially later when you realize, like, yeah, a big chunk went to the wholesaler. Like the wholesaler made a made a tidy fee on this one let me tell you oh yeah um Sounds so like they, they did really well um but anyways 530 grand for this house um this is the this is a, a two and a half story okay. in hamilton so it's a big house um we are we are converting it to a duplex but it's a it's a much bigger duplex than i've done in the past so 
every sorry each of the two units is going to have two floors. So mm. the main floor, the main floor apartment is going to be a two bedroom, two bath. So it's on the main floor, and there's an extra bedroom in the basement and an extra bathroom in the basement. So one one bedroom on the main floor plus kitchen, living, uh, dining, laundry, uh, and a bathroom, and then basement, bedroom, bathroom. Okay. Right. And then on the on the second floor and the third floor. Uh-huh. Because it's like one of these like little lofts up up top. Okay. We've got two bedroom two bedrooms on the second floor and a third bedroom on the third floor, and then a bath on each of those floors too. Bathroom. So wow. it's a it's a kind of a unique unique That's property which is going to get some uh, it's going to get some premium rents. So paid five hundred thirty thousand. We okay. are we are coming in close to about two hundred k on this reno and carrying costs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we'll be in for it for about uh, what's that seven seven thirty. 30, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, some closing costs on top of that. So you could, you could round it up to like, let's just call it like 735 or say 740 land transfer in there and all that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now. Um, so again, th- so in through the, through the last several months, I was, I was worried that, oh boy, I paid way too much for this house. Yeah. But the market, the market's been going nuts. Um, I, I saw a, bungalow in Hamilton recently a, a legal duplex sold for 825 like literally two weeks ago uh, oh, a bungalow yeah. <laughs> so we're talking like a three bedroom up bungalow two bedroom down bungalow right just on the mountain just a very modest 1100 square foot yeah this house by the way is about 2300 square feet not counting the basement what I'm mm-hmm. just talked about mm-hmm. so I'm pretty sure my value is going to be upwards of I mean, and a pre- like, I'm glad that there are some comps coming out now at 825 for small duplex, legal duplexes, yeah. because that's going to make a strong case for mine, which has four bathrooms. That's right. Yeah. Four bathrooms um, across all both units, mat- lots of parking. Plus there's upside to convert the, the, the attic in the future to a, tr- to a third unit. And so we're probably going to do that down the road when we rezone it, but that'll just lift the value even more. So wow. conservatively, I'm thinking the value of this house is going to be about 850 um, right. on the appraisal, which would mean um, which would mean my new mortgage would be somewhere around 680,000, which would mean I'm left in the deal for around 50-ish thousand, right? Right, right. So right. Um, I'd be pretty happy with that. So, I mean, if I can if I can end up owning an asset that's worth 850 grand, that's going to have premium level rents coming out of it. So, I'm yeah. I'm estimating I'm already by the way um, advertising for for tenants right now. I'm getting a lot of interest. I so far have just posted the the main floor two bedroom two bathroom unit okay. at at 2 grand. So, 1995 plus right. all utilities. Okay. Uh, getting getting lots of interest for that. Wow. Upstairs, upstairs, I'm probably going to price it at $2,195, I think. So okay. we'll be at about $4,200 in gross rents. Wow. So, yeah. What, what are the taxes so, add, generally? Taxes are about uh, $350 a month is what I had written down on that one. What is that, okay. like four grand or something like that? Like 4000 yeah, roughly around 4000 yeah. 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 Insurance, call it $150. Okay. So, so it, you know... Here's a, here's the way I look at this one. If I were to bring a JV partner in mm-hmm. uh, on, at this point and, and get like a an amazing rate mortgage at like under two percent, right? The mortgage payment alone is going to be about twenty four hundred, twenty five hundred on this yeah. house. Yeah. Um, all carrying costs, not counting property management, not counting contingency money for maintenance and vacancies, we'd be around three thousand. 
mm-hmm. in carrying costs, you know, on a property that's going to bring in about 4,200 in gross rent. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's conservative by the way, 4,200. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to cash flow. you know, when, when I put the buffers in for like maintenance and whatever else, you know, it's probably going to cash flow on paper somewhere around 500 bucks, 600 bucks. would be, would right. be my guess. Right. Um, if I self-manage it a little bit more. So, yeah. Yeah. And because you've done a lot of the, the renovations there, like you said, you pretty much got it out. You, you probably won't have a lot of the, you know, the maintenance issues coming up unless, you know, the roof needs to be done and so forth. So the capex will probably be no. something good to budget for, but I don't think you necessarily would yeah. be, use it for a while. So it's, it's going to be low, I think. Um, yeah, because yeah, it's got all the, all the new stuff we did, like, a right. We put a new mini, mini ductless split for cooling and heating upstairs. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't expect nothing, anything major um, expense wise, but who knows? You, know, you never know. Right. But, but everything right. else is new, like brand, brand new kitchens, new bathrooms, new appliances. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. So in terms of, yeah. So again, just putting things in perspective, you for $50,000, <laughs> you're making at least $600 a month. Your house is basically yeah. paid off by the, by the tenants. Mortgage is being paid off. Yeah. What's the cash on cash on that, by the way, Dave, do you know? I have not run that number, um, but I mean, if I'm leaving 50k in, that's um, yeah, I, it's high. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna just say, I'm just gonna <laughs> think that in my head. That, that's incredible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I honestly, honestly, um, and I, I honestly think 850 is now fairly conservative. I think so you're because get at least 900,000 bare minimum. I mean, it's it's it is it bare is possible minimum. because of the because of the unique nature of this property. Yeah, like on the mountain on the mountain in Hamilton. Most of the duplexes are bungalows. Um, So this one's unique in that it's a big two and a half story. It's more of the style of house you see downtown Hamilton, uh, where where people do duplexes in them. And a lot of times they throw a third unit in, an illegal unit. Uh I'm actually going to try to get a third unit put in legally um, as as kind of a phase two on this project. So once we have it rented out, uh, I'm going to begin the process of getting it rezoned for a triplex. So that as soon as in the future, when we get a turnover on the upper floor, yeah, we will we will slam a kitchen in upstairs in the loft, yeah, because we've already roughed it in. So we slam the kitchen in, and we add a staircase up the back, and now we have a loft on the third floor, and now we have a uh, a two bedroom main floor, two bedroom second floor, one bedroom loft. We have a triplex, right? Yeah, which would which would add another call it thousand twelve hundred dollars a month cash flow. Yeah, easily. Wow. So, God, yeah. the third unit would just be like straight cash. <laughs> That's just straight cash. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. So, and it's a nice space up there. I mean, we'd have to do a minor variance because it's. I think it's a little bit under the 700 square feet minimum requirements in Hamilton. So we'd have to get a minor variance done. Right. Plus the rezoning. So there'll, there'll be about 10K, I've been told, in um, uh, like rezoning fees. And it's about a year process to get through that. So Okay. I figured I'm just going to get this thing operational, get it cash flowing, and then parallel path that process once once we uh, once we're kind of operational. And then when when the time comes that we can we can convert that to the triplex, then we'll do it. Yeah. So. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, for sure. Like based on what you're telling me, yeah, from the comps and from what you, yeah, a minimum 900. I think that's being conservative. <laughs> like, so so I hope so because then it'd yeah. be a perfect burr. So yeah, I was gonna just say you'll be able to pull out every single penny you put on it, and on top of it, yeah. cash flow. So are you currently just targeting Belleville? Like, right? is, is that the name in area that you're focusing on currently? So for future, yes, I'm looking more at Belleville right now. Um, mm-hmm. So as I mentioned, you were well before we started recording. I am yeah. relocating um, yeah. our family sometime later in the summer. We're renovating uh, 
a house ourselves out that way. Actually, it's closer to Napanee um, yeah. on the river. And so we're, we're renovating that, hoping to move that way in somewhere around August. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I, I will continue to kind of do my duplex conversion process in Belleville and maybe Kingston. I mean, like, that's kind of why I like where we are going to be relocated. We're about, about 30 minutes from uh, both Kingston and Belleville. Yeah. No, so great location. I've got, I, so yeah, so we flipped to a house in Belleville in December and just bought a, uh, a bungalow off market um like literally this month gonna be there this week actually to meet up with the designer so we're gonna start that process now um and uh, but i've been putting in quite a few offers in belleville but like other markets it's just very hot a lot of people buying in belleville right now too so so i'm gonna start looking for more off market when you go to a new market right how how are you how are you sourcing these contractors how are you sourcing or building your team the the most the most important way that i do it is through word of mouth referrals right so Mm -hmm. in any new market that i'm in um i'm always just looking at um who are other people using right so you know there's so many good networking groups facebook groups um you know follow key people on instagram see what they're doing see you know reach out to them have a conversation with them um like this this community is so much around networking with other other like-minded investors and just ask them questions right sometimes um sometimes you might have to pay for some of that advice right i've done that i've i've, I've paid people like for an hour of their time mm-hmm. um to pick their brain a little bit and and ask who do you, who are you using for for you know getting your drawings done who are you using for a contract and and normally they're going to tell you right so that's that's the key thing I mean, you, you can also just go start like hunting on your own through, you know, Kijiji or hire a contractor through Indeed or something like that. Right. Um, but if there's somebody that's already doing the work and um, that that other people are saying they do good work, I'd probably start there. Right. Yeah. Get get a good word of mouth referral. You've primarily been just focusing on conversions, right? Why not just buy family, multifamily properties that are already ready to go? And maybe just need some lipstick renovations. Have you ever considered uh, that as a strategy? Yeah, or? I have. I've looked at some. Um, right now, I kind of like the duplex model. I mean, I, I like the tenant profile. I like the process. Um, I like houses. Right. I yeah. don't. I don't necessarily. So I, I, I looked at the odd fourplex, sixplex, um, and I don't. There's just something about the tenant profile that I like better about being in a a house. Uh, I feel like it's more relatable to like what I can see myself living in. Um, so, and I, you know, it's, um, it's, it's pretty low maintenance working with, uh, with that type of tenant, uh, with the property. So for now, I feel like I'm going to continue doing that model. Cause it's kind okay. of the, it's, you know, keep, keep repeating the process. It's boring. Right. It works. Um, <laughs> maybe at some point, I will buy myself a 12 plex or a 24 plex. I don't know. But right now I don't really have aspirations to do so if I'm being honest. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I, I'm noticing that uh, especially as people are progressing and the portfolio gets bigger, they are now leaning more towards bigger and bigger uh, properties yeah. because, you know, they, they rather have one roof versus 12 roofs, right? Just as a, as a saying, yeah. it is true, right? Because you do increase your cash flow. And uh, it, especially in your case, I'm not sure if it was going to work to work in favor or against i think it works in your favor because it's a, it's a commercial policy right it's going to be a commercial lending which so is that is the favorite. only that is the only reason why i've started looking into it now is because i it is a lot easier 
That's right. It's not easy, but it, but it's possible to get a mortgage right. even in my current state of employment because they look at the asset, not just me as the borrower, right? That's right. That's um, right. So, but that's not to say you, you can't still do things like that. Like you can get commercial mortgages as a blanket across multiple duplexes, right? So you could package mm. up, let's say three duplexes and go to a commercial lender and say, I have, right. you know, um, six doors here that I'm, right. that I'm looking for uh, commercial financing on. And so that's, that's an, also a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might, go, I might go down that path at some point right now. I really haven't had the need to, yeah. um, but, but it's a possibility for somebody who's looking to start out. What are some you know, top three books you can recommend? Well, uh, obviously the, the classic, uh, rich dad, poor dad, everybody needs to read that one if they haven't already. Yeah. Um, like, like there, there is no other, no better book that I've read at least that kind of was just so clearly written and just kind of, you know, made, made everything like, ah, this makes sense to me. That's right. Um, I read this one in the past, like two years or maybe 18 months. This one, amazing. Um, it, especially since we're just to kind of talk more about the, uh, private lending thing, mm-hmm. like this book, it really opened my eyes to what you can, um, how you can tap into other people's, you know, investments that they, people that are not really necessarily thinking, how can they maximize their, the return on their investment. They're just like parking their money in RSPs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I read that and I, I, it was like an eye opener for me. And I actually have since worked with a few people and deployed their RSPs into real estate. So I did it all myself with, you know, um, with the investor and with a lawyer. Right. Right. Um, Anyway, books like that kind of just open your eyes, right? There was another one I read. I don't think I have it up there. Yeah. So the, the one you were just referring to is called the RSP Secret. Then actually, the RSP Secret. RSP the RSP Secret. This was another awesome book. Um, getting the money. Getting the money. Hey. <laughs> By Susan Susan Lasseter Lyons. So this just talks about how you know raising private money, right? So remember I told you about I, yep. I started raising my own kind of capital. Um, like that, that's again, a very clear, simple way to think about it. It's not rocket science. It just kind of gives you some tips on how to, how to frame up the conversation with, uh, Mm -hmm. with, you know, coworkers, friends, family members. Um, uh, yeah, just, and, and I'll tell you it, there's, there's money to be raised out there, right? Because you can create, you can create really strong win-win relationships, um, where you borrow some money from somebody give them a nice interest payment, um, which they can then use to cover their car payment. Yep. For example, uh, they've given me funds that I can now finish it up a renovation on one of my projects. Yeah. So I can get to my exit strategy and then sell the property or whatever, or refinance that property, get the money back, give it back to the lender. And then by the way, when that happens nine times out of 10, the lender says, can you just, can I, can I lend that back to you again? Because They like they like that interest payment, right? Just just right. like I told you, I do. I, I'm also private lending, right? I don't I don't want to stop because it's like it, it's like uh, it's my income in a way, right? Yeah. So, anyways, that was an awesome book too because it just it just kind of helped change the mindset a bit around um, being confident in presenting what you're doing, being confident in sharing a deal, a strategy. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of people, a lot of people in your circle of friends and your networks that are interested in what you're doing. Maybe they haven't all wanted to chat with you about it yet, but they're, they're interested. They're watching, they're curious. Absolutely. And so when the opportunity comes up and you talk to them about it, yeah. um, always just say, Hey, I'm always, I'm always raising capital for deals. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I've, so I've started doing that. People say, tell me more. I'm like, oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So anyways, that, that's another good one. Anyway, I, there's lots, there's lots of good books. Yeah, no. Stefan Arneo's books are all good too. Yeah. That's fantastic. No, those are good tips. Yeah. We'd love to learn those as well. Yeah. Cause one of the things we all have hurdles we run into is running out of money. Right. So you, you have to get to the point where they're, like you said, either go JV partner or uh, raising capital funds or going private yeah. lending. So there's definitely, let's put it this way. Uh, there, you find a deal, the money's there. There's this all you sorts of ways you money. can get the money. The, finding a deal is the toughest part. Find a deal, you'll get the money <laughs> one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, uh, to me, the the most challenging thing I have right now is finding deals, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, money, money will, money is available, and yeah. like I said earlier, around the broker, you know, basically telling me you can buy what you want. We'll we'll fund it for you, you know, because right. uh, we know you're kind of looking in the right, in the right areas. We like the fundamentals, so there's money. It's like, how do you find the deals? I like got that, that's the challenge, right? So, anyways, that's but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Um, and then if you could travel anywhere, I know obviously you can't travel now, but hopefully when COVID lifts, if you could go anywhere, where would it be, Scott, and why? Oh man, um, you know, I'm gonna say uh nothing too crazy and exotic. Turks and Caicos. Uh, and I have been there once about okay. a year ago. Yeah, two no, two years ago we went. Uh, and it was phenomenal. Um, I, I, I desperately want to go back. Just, uh, it's just such a great Island, just chill beaches. It's not a, like a crazy resort environment. Just awesome. So, um, I mean, there are other places I, of course I want to travel to, but right now just being cooped up for so long and not being able to get out this winter, <laughs> that's just on my mind. Absolutely. We'd love to get some sun on your skin and, and feel the nice sandy yeah. beach. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with exactly, you on that one. Exactly. Yeah, man. <laughs> Yeah. And then if there's one piece of advice you could give somebody, whether it's somebody who's already in their real estate investor or someone looking into getting into the, you know, uh, investing, what would that be? One piece of advice. Uh, I always just say like, it's um, like, don't be afraid to uh, don't be afraid to like, just get in and give it a try, like to learn. Um, you know, it's like, it's like, do, do something right. Like, um, like if if you've made a conscious decision that you want to start taking some action and, and doing something, then then don't like don't worry too much about making a massive mistake. Like just take an action, um, and that could just be like what's the next step for you? Could it maybe you have to get pre-approved for a mortgage? Maybe you need to attend a, a, a real estate meetup. Like do something to kind of get your your creativity, those juices flowing. Absolutely, because. Um, uh, it's 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 really easy to fall into a trap of doing nothing yeah thinking about it a lot yeah um so do do something and don't don't be afraid to fail you know because real estate's forgiving you know you can you can usually figure out an exit strategy um just don't you know just talk to talk to people don't make a don't make a stupid purchase like (laughs) like don't overpay (laughs) but even if you do it had to be said (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> even if you do like you can get you can get out of it right um yeah. i i did buy one property that i regretted a little bit like um i i always felt like i paid too much for it and it is that's the one i mentioned earlier on was the it was the non-legal duplex that i had right uh, i still made money on it at the end of the day when i sold it yeah um but i but i it was one that i paid it, it was at the top of the market when i bought it mm-hmm. um and the market then kind of kind of flattened out a bit. I was around the 2017, 2018 spike that we saw. And then right. it kind of, it kind of uh, leveled. Um, 
but I, you know what? I still did fine. Right. And I, I'm like, I, I learned a lot from that house and, uh, um, yeah. And I, and I still made money at the end of the day. So yeah, as long as you so can, bad. you can, you can weather the storm, real estate will make you money at the end of the day. Right. It's just, it's a matter yeah. of how can you hold on to it? And in your case, right. It paid off, right. It, the market, pick, market yeah. picked back up, but, uh, that's what I love about yeah. real estate. You're absolutely right. It's very forgiving. And, uh, especially because you have so many exit strategies, I would say for majority of us, whenever you purchase a property, there's so many things you can do short term rentals, right. long term rentals, buy and hold, flip, wholesaling, sell it privately, yeah. wholesale, whatever you want. There's, there's so many avenues you can, you can take. So, uh, definitely yeah. take action. Still, still read the book, still listen to the podcast, but do that while you're doing something along, you know, just to, uh, to, to advance the, advance the, the, the projects forward. So yeah. For folks that want to connect with you, Scott, how could they connect with you? I would say Instagram and, or Facebook, both places. You can just look up my name, Scott Zandberg, and you'll find me on either platform. Um, I try to share, you know, a little bit about what I'm up to and projects and whatever else. And, but feel free to connect with me there. DM me. Always happy to have a chat. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll definitely put all your uh, handles in the show notes for folks that want to connect with you. Uh, yeah, but thank you so much, Scott. This has been wonderful. Like I, we, we've been trying to connect for some time and I'm glad you found some yeah. time in your, in your calendar. So this has been awesome. And I'm sure listeners got a lot of golden nuggets out of it. So I really appreciate your time today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you were able to get some great golden nuggets out of it. The kindest thing that you can do is share this podcast across all social media to help as many people as possible. If you like this podcast or have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram or YouTube. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode. Remember, financial freedom is just a few properties away. Yeah.